everybody. I'm Garrett. I'm an alcoholic. I'm the process of recovery. And I really want to, there's a lot of sayings in AA. And I mean, people, if you hang out in these rooms long enough, you pretty much talk to like, I mean, you know, you turn into like talking bumper stickers, basically. It's just like, it's like all this great stuff, like one, one day at a time, easy does it. I really like like the whole like wishing somebody a long and slow recovery because that's basically, that's the best thing I can wish uh, anybody. Um, and I was thinking about when we, we call out stuff when we're reading how it works. Like that is really one of the reasons I really like Bolden. And I've been coming here pretty much. It's been basically my home group since I got sober. I've been sober since September 22nd, 2020, which is a, I have no, like, I, I really owe a lot of it to this room, to the program. And like I, my friends, many of which are here that I've met along the way. I get a lot of support from people I've met. I'm, I call people in the program every single day. I stay connected even if I don't make it to a meeting. Usually I try to reach out to someone in the program, whether that's my sponsor. And nowadays my conversations with my sponsor are pretty short. It's like two minute conversations and it'll pretty much just be like, well, Garrett, that sounds like you're doing pretty good. Uh, sound, sounds good. You know, it's like pretty much like that, you know, like it's not, it's not super crazy. Sometimes some like stupid shit will come up or I'll just get like, I still get really resentful sometimes. And like, you know, I'll just get like really mad and it's a little like, like a delusional kind of thing where like it, 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 I, I don't know. I just, I still kind of get crazy here and there. I can get pretty depressed and like tell myself a story, but a big part of my recovery is kind of just like. The spiritual practice of staying in the present moment, and that's huge for me. Because if I'm telling myself a story about the past or the future, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm telling myself a story. So I don't know. I try to stay like that's how I see uh, like prayer and meditation for me is like kind of returning to the present. It's kind of like so I try to I try to practice that. I'm not really perfect at it, but I don't know. It's kind of the things that keep me sober. I grew up um, I grew up Mormon, which. I mean, I wasn't super into it as a kid, honestly. I mean, I was like seven or eight. I was. I was trying to convert everyone to Mormonism in my elementary school. That's people thought it was really fucking annoying. I didn't even like put on like the like the shirt and the name tag and go door to door. I mean, say what you will about those guys, but they're really fucking good at sales. Like they, they find, you know, like that's why like so many sales companies recruit from BYU. But that's kind of a, has nothing to do with any of this. But uh, yeah, like I fucking. At a certain point when I was a teenager, I was just like, this shit's boring. This life looks boring. I can't drink alcohol. I can't smoke cigs. I can't smoke cigs. I can't do drugs. I can't, I can't even drink coffee or tea. It just seemed boring to me. And, I mean, they were nice people. I had a really good time growing up in the church. We had a lot of fun. I had a lot of good friends, some of which I still stay in touch with to this day, growing up Mormon in, in the Dallas area. I had a little neighborhood. I was like, it was a pretty Mormon community I lived in in Coppell, Texas, where I'm from. And, like... I, I just wanted more. It just seemed boring to me. At school, they were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So they gave me like Ritalin. And like this kid has like autism spectrum disorder. He has ADHD. He has, I don't know, something between those two. It was just the early 2000s in DFW. They like didn't know what to do with me. So I don't know. It was just kind of like, I just, I didn't like all that. So that was basically what my childhood looked like. And I like started smoking weed when I was 13. I started getting into drinking heavily once I could obtain alcohol, something which I didn't plan on doing. I planned on just smoking weed. I planned on just doing like mushrooms and just keeping it to that. When I was like, 
When I was like 13, that was what I thought all my drug use would be. It's just weed and mushrooms. And I could control that just sticking to those things. I wouldn't get into opiates or fucking pills. Like I was freaking out when people around me were doing pills and meth and heroin in my fucking high school. I went to a relatively nice high school too. It was like, there's one cool dude who like fucking was into jazz. He was doing heroin. I, I never got into that stuff, but like, I, I just was freaked out when people were doing other drugs. And then eventually by the time I was 15, I started like taking sedatives too. Like I could buy like Xanax bars and you know, that kind of just kept going. And I don't need to tell the whole convoluted story of my drug use. Cause like, we're all addicts here or alcoholics or whatever you choose to identify as. So it's like, it didn't look pretty. And it kind of progressed to the point where by like 20, I had a psychotic break. I thought the fucking government was spying on my thoughts, some like advanced technology or something. I was hearing voices all the time. I pretty much like snapped. And it was a result of my just, I knew I was a poly drug addict when I was like 20. I like, I was living with this, I was living with my then girlfriend at the time in Denton, Texas. And like, I don't know, I was just taking like all the substances I could possibly put into my system. And, you know, this is Alcoholics Anonymous. I was drinking like tons of whiskey every day on top of it, which it's not really good to mix alcohol and drugs, but like. I went to like a party one time and somebody was like, oh yeah, that's how you're supposed to take drugs. You're supposed to drink with them. Um, and that was really stupid advice. I ended up in the hospital and they started treating me. They were treating me, I thought really unfairly, they were treating me like I was some kind of drug addict or something. And like, I don't know, it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. I, one of my dang girlfriends, like normal friends, like non-drug taking friends, like I don't even think she ever drank. I think she probably went to a church or something like my then girlfriend introduced me to her friend. I was like, Oh, Hey, would you like some coke? Would you like to do some cocaine? And she looked at me like, what the fuck? That's <laughs> not normal. Like, so yeah, I wasn't normal. It became abundantly clear by the time I entered my twenties that I was really had a problem. So I went to rehab the first time when I was 21 and that's been the, that's when my recovery started. You know, I kind of had to go to rehab my, not even rehab, it was a detox, like psych hospital in Arlington, Texas, which was horrible. It was like, it was just terrible. They like detoxed me off of all these benzodiazepines plus alcohol, like over 10 days. And you know, it was bad. I think I went to my first AA meeting and I just thought, oh, these guys are pretty cool. Uh, AA is really cool. Cool. And I like went out and like continued to do everything as soon as I got out, you know. I actually stopped drinking for like a year because this doctor said, look, if you keep drinking, you'll be dead by 30. Like your liver levels, you said all these numbers and letters. I don't fucking know what that shit means. <laughs> ALT, what the fuck? I don't know what that means, you know. So it, so all this stuff happened after all these different stays in mental hospitals and different institutions and all the hell I put my parents through. Pretty much all my friends kind of left and yeah, I don't know. I ended up in Utah where I went to college at one point. I ended up back there and like kind of went to AA for a while. And this is the second time I really tried to go to AA. This is the first time I actually really tried to go to AA. I wasn't really fully ready to get sober. And I would hang out with people after the meeting and do fellowship. And I thought that was really great. But there's a part of me that was like, I don't think I'm all in to this. I don't think I want to fully do this yet. And of course I, you know, I got a sponsor and made some excuse to not meet, like the library was closed when we were going to start doing step work. So I never even started on my step work. And I was just like, I think I can c control this. If I think I, I think I got this, I'll just try this without AA. And I ended up going like, 
way off the deep end. I stole a car. I was just out. It was a, it was a Tesla, by the way, people get a kick out of the fact that I stole a Tesla. They were like threatening me with like a felony, like one to 12 years in jail. And I mean, I, uh, I ran off to Texas basically. And I've been in Austin since. And like, I had like all these like mental health problems and it was just from drug use pretty much. Like it was all really drug induced. I got like a therapist. I got on some like medications, which was really, really good that I did that. But I was still, I was still using. And eventually I got to the point where like I, they brought it down to a misdemeanor and I was on probation with the caveat that if I got in trouble for anything at all, they would bring back the full one to 12 year jail sentence for stealing this fucking nice car. At least I got to drive a Tesla. Those things are kind of fun to drive, I guess. But um anyways they had like no the security system was really bad i was so fucked up i have no idea how i was able to drive off in one but um yeah i get to uh i I mean it's gonna be horrible listening to this because i'm saying um every other fucking word that's what happened the last time i tried sharing my story but yeah this uh fucking like ultimatum was basically given to me my therapist was writing letters to the courts in salt lake i was here in austin i was using drugs lying to my therapist I, she had me going to iop and she was writing letters to the courts that he's getting his addiction under control he's so i would lie to her and say i was sober i would lie to my parents and say i was sober i was still using i i just like would try to get high or drink right after i got out of iop you know and i just wasn't ready yet and then eventually there's an ultimatum where my therapist found out I'd been using after I'd lied to her multiple times. She's just like, all right, you have to go to rehab. And I'm writing like she's writing letters to the courts that are going to depend on my future goes. So I had to fucking go to rehab. And so I white knuckled that week at my parents' house before I even went to re- rehab. And I only went for like – I was only an inpatient for like 10 days. And then I started the road of being in sober living houses and going to meetings and doing AA. There's a guy at my uh, my grand sponsor – he was working at the rehab center I went to. He gave me, uh, he gave me like number for my current sponsor. He's still my sponsor, and he worked me through the steps, mostly over the phone. Um, we met in person to do my fifth step and worked through all the steps. And I've been sober since. In I don't know how long have I been going for at this point. Good ten minutes is perfect to talk about everything that led up to me getting sober. Basically, um, I. Get mentioned before I wasn't ready to do this bef- like before I just straight up wasn't ready I could see people were getting sober around me I remember when I was in Utah before well before I got sober like in 2019 or 2018 or something yeah I think it was 2019 I saw a woman go up and get a year chip I'd see people get up like get like a year chip it's like that's impossible I at that point I had until this time around I had never gotten longer than two weeks of sober time ever I've never got I've never gone more than two weeks of my life before this time sober. Uh, that was because I went to Philmont Scout Ranch when I was like seventeen. We went to the scout camp and I just couldn't find drugs. I'm sure there were drugs there. I didn't find the ne'er do well Boy Scouts that were doing drugs. <laughs> I don't think anyone in my Mormon Boy Scout troop had drugs. That was the one time I went two weeks without doing drugs since I was like thirteen, basically. So. I, went, I was pretty much locked away from drugs for 30 days, and that's what it took. It takes what it takes, and that's basically the thing. Everyone's recovery looks a little bit different. The story of how you got sober looks a little bit different, but I can find similarities. And like, Every time I've been to a speaker meeting or heard someone share in these rooms, I find like, oh, that's me. When I read the big book, it's right there. That's me. When I first got – like when they found booze in my dorm room in college and they had me go to like some alcoholic thing, I'm, like, I'm not a fucking alcoholic. I watched this class where it's describing what an alcoholic is. And it's like, oh, 
That describes me. And that's been my whole time since I was basically a teenager. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a problem, but I'll put it to the back of my mind and keep doing what I want to do. So it was a radical change going to rehab for 30 days. I did sober living houses for a year, and that was about as fun as it sounds. Uh, like there, Sometimes I, I had like good friends, and it was like, all right, but it's like you're just living in a house full of just the sickest people possible. I'm sure they're sicker people than just people in your average sober house. But they were like – I had a really – Hard time. I'm getting fights with people. Not physical fights. Um, I I'm I have no idea how I didn't get my ass kicked because I would like flip out at people a lot. And that first month was really hard for me uh, because I was used to having substances in my system and just like the sheer physical withdrawals from things. It was hard for me to go to sleep. Um, I was withdrawing from opioids. I was withdrawing from alcohol. Um, and I mean, you know, people say like weed's not addictive. For me, when like we quitting weed was so fucking hard. Like I wouldn't do it. It was hard enough that I would just keep doing it. And I did that for like fucking 12 years. So like I like couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, you know. So withdrawals would always be the cycle, you know. Anytime – and I've tried – I'm kind of rambling here. But I've tried to get sober so many times before this and I couldn't make it like two days. And when, once I made it like a day, I'd be like, all right, I wouldn't have a day. I can reward myself with a drink or something. And it was always the same thing. And then I'd keep going on a long bender and then – it, it, my things in my life would go down. My already dismal fucking life would get more dismal. And then, yeah, so it was a big change. Being separated from substances 30 days, like being basically locked away in like this rehab inpatient and then like PHP basically in the sober house in Austin. Then I moved into these sober living houses. The first one, they were doing psychedelics in recovery, which – that could be your path. Who knows? I mean, that I, I mean, Bill W did a lot of LSD, but it's like I abused the shit out of that drug, so it's probably best for me to not. And I was on probation, so I didn't want to be in a house where illegal drugs were being taken in. So I got out of that house. Not really going to share any opinions on that. Everyone's recovery is an individual journey. Second house I was in, it was one step removed from a trap house. People were just like shooting up in their fucking rooms and shit. Like their last, they would tell me, oh yeah, our last house manager would go out to smoke heroin in his car like every fucking two hours or something. It, it, it wasn't good. It was overpriced. I was there during the winter storm. Was anybody, any of y'all out here for the winter storm? I was like, I'm going to start doing crowd work for my speech. I'm speak- <laughs> a crowd work speaker guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Eh? Um, fuck it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so sober houses weren't good. I eventually found a guy who was in my rehab, was the house manager of this really good one. And I stayed in for the last seven months. And that was actually really good. It was good. I had good friends I'd hang out with. I mean, I'd get in fights. I'd get re- that's, so sober living for me was like getting socialized again. And that's when I learned about resentments. When I initially did my inventory about resentments, I was like, I'm not a resentful guy. I don't get resentful against anybody. I, I, I don't hate anybody. And then when I started living in sober living, I was like, oh, fuck. I get really resentful really easily. And it's always over like minuscule bullshit. And I takes it overtakes me. So stuff in the book about like resentments it describes me too. It's it's very very like describes a lot of the condition probably. So I got to learn about how to deal with people, and that's still something I'm still a student for life and like dealing with people. Like I don't, you know, I'm a total asshole honestly. Like a lot of the time, and I need the I need that a lot. I need to practice the principles in this program to like be a halfway decent person. Um, so, yeah, I did sober living for the full year. But I was so fucking sick of the people I was living with, though, by the end of it. I was just glad to get out. I got an apartment. My brother lives with me now. And it's 
I will say, when I was getting sober, I had no hope that anything would go good for me. I had no hope I could get a good job or a career. I had fucking nothing, dude. Like, it was, like, dismal. And right now, it's – I actually have a career that I'm working in. I got, like, a real fucking job now. I have a bunch of real jobs. Like, I have a resume now. I have a portfolio of, of, of like, professional eh, – it's somewhat professional work now. It's – I have, like, really good friends – um, and I didn't really have friends back then. I just would have the drug dealer, the people I'd like see at the fucking store that I'd buy beer from that usually kind of had like a concerned look at me because I, I was in pretty rough shape, guys. I didn't look as, as uh, healthy as I do now. Um, so I don't know, man. It's just it's really good that I'm it's really good that I'm sober and I'm just happy I can happy I can be here. Um I did take some notes. I'm pretty much done with, like, talking. I feel like I've gone on long enough. I want to make it, like, the rest of this open discussion. But this is basically the cycle for me was just getting inebriated, causes me problems, trying to stop. And then while I'm stopped, I'd get uncomfortable because I broke the cycle and I'm in, like, physical withdrawals. And then eventually, this is the thing I really want to emphasize here that I still deal with today, is I start rationalizing using again. I'll make this big, I'll make this big whole thing, this big whole sweeping gesture. I'm never doing drugs again. When I was 17, I, I made my first cute Facebook post about never doing drugs again. You know, or like I'd write it on paper, don't do drugs, put it on my door. <laughs> I'd fucking throw drugs in the trash can and like try to, I'm never fucking doing it again. I could take a polygraph test, I'm never using again, rest of my fucking life. And then I would, I'd, I've dived into dumpsters to grab like a nug that I threw in. Like that's not normal. So, yeah, I'd rationalize use. That's when I'd start slipping. I'd start planning it in my head first. And then before I knew it, I was, I was like off to the races again. And then it'd be a cycle. And that was like pretty basically 12 years. And yeah, I bet if I had like, like a week here and there of like clear thinking, it would have been nice, but I couldn't even really do that. So yeah, I, I'm here in my recovery today pretty much to end my share. I'll just say like what my recovery today consists of is like when stuff comes up, if I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. When I go to meetings, it's good to talk to my friends and stuff and I like to do that. But I try to – and I'm not always perfect with this. I try to make an effort to talk to a newcomer. Like if you're a newcomer, if you're new after this and you want to talk to me, like I've done this. I've done these steps you know, you don't have to understand them. I just did them because I was in enough pain and willing to do them at the time. Just did that. Like, if you want to talk about that with me afterwards, I'm going to hang out afterwards, if, you know. So, yeah, I try to talk to newcomers. I try to, like, make myself available to other alcoholics. And I regularly, like I said at the beginning, I call I call sober people every day. I have my little, like, I have my little close-knit network of people that I reach out to every day. Um and yeah, just stay present, do the next right thing. And then like, just try to practice, you know, all the fucking principles, like being a good person, you know? Um, so I don't know. I was just kind of rambling. I'm kind of a really scatterbrained person. Like I asked to share people never asked me to share my story. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyways, thanks everybody for coming out. Um, that's, that's pretty much all I got. Thank you. Yeah.